I think the, the challenge that I had was this injury to the psoas was so deep inside me. It had pelvic floor challenges for me. It had lower back issues. I had gait issues. And the thing is, I had no idea what was going on and neither any of the doctors. But anyone who's stuck needs to recognize that the way out of their problems is already inside them and they just need to learn how to tap into that. And whatever door gets them through that, whatever that door is, you just got to keep exploring, got to keep opening those doors. And I opened a lot of doors and went in and out of them. And I just think everyone can get out of that place. You can get out of that place. Welcome to Guys Talking Yoga. I'm your host, Derek Vandewalker, and today's guest is my cousin, Corby Reese, who's actually going to be interviewing me and helping share my story for how I got into yoga and why I started this podcast. I first got into yoga 20 years ago when I visited a 102-degree Bikram studio in Boston while working for a rising tech company. Yoga was something I did to complement other workouts. I did it a couple times a month for a few years, but I eventually got away from it. However, it wasn't until I suffered a series of random injuries while in my late 30s that I came back to yoga. Physically, mentally, and spiritually, I was struggling, and I began to lose my sense of self, constantly going to physical therapist appointments, doctor's appointments, acupuncture. It was endless. And I was struggling so much so that I quit my job at ESPN, moved west to Colorado to disconnect, reconnect, and figure out how to unwind the hot mess my body and mind had become. All right, welcome. It's an honor to be on the Guys Talking Yoga podcast. I'm a longtime listener, but one thing that's really come through for me as I've listened to all these episodes is this desire to hear more about Derek's story. This project is so exciting, and many of your listeners know that you have been through quite a journey. And I've been so impressed to see your development over the years there, mind and body, and the work that you've put in. It's improved all aspects of your life, and I've seen it. Everyone around you has seen it, and we're all so inspired. So why don't we dive in? Could you level set us on a brief history of your pre-yoga life, if you will? Listen, I grew up in the 70s in and outside the New York City area, most of my life in Connecticut. I had a very fortunate background growing up, I'll be honest. I've, I was very lucky to have the life that I've had. You know, I think I went through the regular hoops and checks as you get older. You get into sports. Hockey and lacrosse were probably the two bigger ones. I went to a competitive high school academically and athletically and ended up playing lacrosse at Hobart College. And we were a Division three school for the first two years. My freshman year, we won the national championship. My sophomore year, we, we choked in the finals to Salisbury State, which was a great team back in 94. And we were Division one for our last two years, but we always were a Division one caliber program. And we've always played Syracuse and Cornell in those top schools. So I had a really competitive college career with lacrosse. I ended up playing club lacrosse all over the country with some top players and programs. And I really loved the game. Along the way, I always kept in touch with hockey, and I love playing men's pickup hockey, and I've been doing that for years. I got into teaching not long after college at the Avon Old Farm School in Connecticut. Absolutely loved it. It was a fantastic experience, and I've had a great professional career. I've worked in media and advertising and technology, and I've just had a very lucky life. I've really enjoyed it, and I remember really wanting to be a teacher 
or to try teaching at a prep school after college. And I wanted to try that out so I wouldn't have necessarily a midlife crisis in my 30s because I had never tried teaching. So I, I had gone into teaching to try to, you know, explore that interest. And after I kind of satiated that interest, I said, okay, I'm going to go do some other things and I can always come back into teaching. Well, you know, right when my corporate career seemed like it was going great, I had a major setback with my body. And the point I'm making is that you can always make grand plans to try to avoid uh, suffering in life. You just do all the right things and all of a sudden out of the blue, something happens and, and it just shifts your world. And for me, without getting too far into all the details and going down that rabbit hole explaining it, but I had a unique back and hip injury that was sort of self-inflicted and also sort of a calf injury around the same time. And it all was sort of related to overstretching. You talked about your athletic career, which I thought was important to set this up. I think of you as a very elite college athlete, certainly achieving heights greater than any of us cousins did in the college sport arena. But you continued your athletics. I know you do men's hockey and things like that beyond college. Am I right about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I continue to play club level lacrosse after college. I don't play in lacrosse anymore at this point, although I have a couple of good buddies who want me to join the 50 and over group at Lake Placid next summer. But lacrosse, I've given up because it's too hard in the body. But hockey, I still play. I still play every Saturday in hockey. Great pickup lead. I do a, an annual pond hockey gathering with a bunch of guys. But I think I've realized that there's certain things that I don't do anymore. Before you got into yoga, did you do any sort of body maintenance, taking care of your body, stretching, and, or did you not really think about that? I always did a little stretching, but it was usually after I've warmed up. And a lot of my later injuries were because I wasn't aware of my body. I didn't realize that I hadn't learned how to understand, you know, what's the right amount of stretch or whatever you're doing, your body needs. But to answer your question, like, listen, I liked lifting weights running, a little bit biking. I was active, but I never was into things like yoga. I did stretching when I was warm. I had my perfunctory stretch before the hockey skate or for lacrosse or afterwards. But I don't think I had a clue about the stuff that I've, I've, I've learned um, over the last 10 years. And so when you started having injury problems, do you think those were all physical or was there a mental element to it? Well, I think it's interesting. It's so hand in hand. I think tension builds in the body because of just stress and worry. And I think when you have any kind of trauma, whether it's uh, something acute or whether it's something that's just chronic over time, I think your body begins to tighten up and get tighter. And when your body is tight, when your nervous system is sort of kind of hypervigilant, I think you're very prone to injury. I think you're prone to injury and not paying attention to what you're doing. And that could be misstepping off a, a icy sidewalk, or that could be not paying attention to the fact that the stretch you're doing is just a bit too much or whatever it is. Or, I mean, literally how many guys do we know have tweaked their back, grabbing a fork in the back of the dishwasher or <laughs> picking something up, like a picking up a two-year-old, like it's the most unexpected moments that you actually end up hurting your body. But I do think it becomes somewhat psychosomatic in the fact that your tension and stress manifests in the body in a certain way. And I think when you have an actual acute injury, and I had a couple of them at the same time, which was further complicating, I think that that injury starts to manifest in ways where it gets trapped in the mind. 
And I think the only path out and the path for me was, is learning how to work through that mind-body imbalance of just honestly either being down and injured and out and worrying or just assuming that you're unfixable because of your situation. That makes total sense. And is it right to say that you were frustrated for a period of time before you really started to get your mojo back, largely through practices like yoga? I mean, what else did you try when you started having these symptoms? You know, when I injured my hips, I I strained my calf muscles and that was due to overstretching, but it was related to stenosis on my nerve line going to L5S1. But I had thrown out my (laughs) right hip doing a stretch that a physical therapist had shown me. But since my calves were injured, I couldn't warm up my body. And so when I did this hip flexor stretch, what I didn't realize at the time is I yanked the hell out of my psoas, which is, you know, if anyone listens to this podcast, it should be their new favorite muscle because I've talked about it a few times. But the psoas is a really deep muscle. And some people think it's the core of the core muscles. And the problem with the psoas or the challenge of the psoas is it, it, it goes across your hip through your pelvis, your lower back, but it also sits right behind your diaphragm and your vagus nerve. And so people are taught to activate their vagal tone through meditation and easy breathing. But if you've got an injury that's up in that neighborhood, either an injury in the diaphragm or your lower back, you know, you're sort of fighting the trauma in a very deep, deep place in your body. So to answer your question, I was in a majorly screwed up place physically for at least a year or two, like a really in a real bad spot. And I think I did what a lot of people try to do, which is physical therapists, acupuncture, massage therapy. And I think the problem was that neither myself nor my doctors really knew what I had injured in my body. I did not know I had injured what I injured. And quite frankly, every doctor or physical therapist or body worker Everyone's trying to do their best to help you heal and get through it. But sometimes they only see 60 or 70% of the picture. And sometimes you'll have conflicting things. So to get back to your question, I really struggled physically working through this pain and dysfunction and trauma and stress for what eventually was like probably three or four years. And I think when you're dealing with that kind of chronic stress and worry, it wears you down. I got very depressed. And I think when you get Mm -hmm. into that depressed place and you're super anxious and just consume with your injuries, I think you lose a little sense of yourself. You start to kind of fade off from perhaps the person you were or thought you were or knew yourself to be. And for me, it was a long arc back. I just realized I'm going to be broke and miserable when I'm 60 by just depending on physical therapists and PTs to constantly tell me what I need to be doing or work in my body. I had to figure out a way to take care of myself. And for me, yoga seemed to be the most logical place to start exploring. First of all, let me just back up a second. Thank you for sharing that. That was uh, you know, very personal and, and really, I think, helpful to everybody. Before you talk about yoga, what, what advice would you have for someone who might be going through a period like that now? Because you have really emerged so much better off. And I I know you would say, you know, better than before kind of thing because of the work you've done. 
if someone's going through that kind of a experience right now, what, what advice would you have for them? Because you've been there and it was not a short period of time. It was a long period of time. It was not a short period of time. And pretty soon as time progresses and you stay in that gutter, in that trough, I think you start to identify yourself as being that wounded, stuck person. And I think whether it's real or not, I think you start to assume others see you in that way. And then I think people start to lose their sense of self. So I think the first thing is that, you know, there's a great quote by Joseph Campbell, and I've hit this a few times in the podcast, and I just find Joseph Campbell's work on the hero's journey being just absolutely fascinating, both because it just taps into mythology, but also it's Jungian kind of approach to things. But he has this quote, he says, the way out is the way in. And what I believe Joseph Campbell meant by that, which was, the way out of your dilemma is already within you. And, you know, for some people, that's probably going to look like traditional psychotherapy. For other people, that might be digging into religion. You know, others maybe more of mindfulness or Buddhism. I think the, the challenge that I had was this injury to the psoas was so deep inside me. It had pelvic floor challenges for me. It had lower back issues. I had gait issues. And the thing is, I had no idea what was going on and neither any of the doctors. But to your point of your question, I think anyone who's stuck needs to recognize that the way out of their problems is already inside them. And they just need to learn how to tap into that. And whatever door gets them through that, whatever that door is, you just got to keep exploring, got to keep opening those doors. And I opened a lot of doors and went in and out of them. And I just think everyone can get out of that place. You can get out of that place. Wow, that's a great message. Uh, again, I think your story is, is instructive and I think it's important to level set on what brought you to your current practice and, and why you are such an evangelist for some of the work you talk about on your pod. So that's awesome. Where did you first hear about yoga and who first introduced you? I probably had heard of yoga before, but the first time I was really introduced to it, I was working for a great tech company called Akamai Technologies. It was out in Cambridge, Mass. It was around 2000. It was right around the time of the dot-com boom. And Akamai was a super hot company, had just, just had a great IPO. And I joined those guys in the fall of 2000 as sort of a an, sales and account manager. And there was, a, there was a couple of folks on the sales team said, hey, we're going to yoga. At the end of the day, do you want to go to yoga this afternoon? We're going at 5.30. And well, it turns out it was a Bikram yoga class. And the only advice I really got before heading off to the class, which was drink a lot of water and don't have a heavy lunch. So I had no idea. So I totally got absolutely beaten down in that Bikram class. Uh, just totally wiped me out. But it felt really great. And so that was fall of 2000. You know, that was uh, over 20 years ago. And it was a bunch of my sales colleagues. One of the sales guys on the team had just gone through Bikram yoga training. He and his girlfriend were both Bikram yoga teachers. Bikram was just a huge thing back then. And that's how I first got into it. And I was doing Bikram yoga a couple times a month for a few years. And that was really the only yoga that I knew. And I was probably late 20s at that time. And, and sometime in my mid-30s, I stopped doing Bikram yoga because I just couldn't recover the electrolytes from sweating so bad in those classes. And I just said, you know, I'm, I'm having headaches the next morning. 
this is not for me. And so I actually left yoga. And in my mid thirties, I just was like, I just can't do it. And I didn't know what else there was. So I just was like, all right, I'm not going to do yoga. As you reflect back, would you say that you understood right away how meaningful this practice was going to be for you? I think the real light bulb was very much a a physical experience, which was, man, it's so great to stretch and hold these poses in 102 degrees and sweat like an absolute beast and get all of the impurities from Saturday night out of you. But that really was about just sweating it out and feeling good. I don't think I had a clue about some of the philosophical stuff. In fact, I know I didn't know much about the philosophical stuff. And I don't think there was anything spiritual or mental about it at that time. It was literally like, I'm going to Bikram for 90 minutes. I'm going to absolutely sweat my brains out. I'm going to be pounding water all night long. I'm going to feel great the next day as long as I hydrate. That experience then was very much a physical experience. So you gave it up. How long did you give it up for? I probably gave it up for about, let's see, uh, three or four years. And I really, I didn't know the other types of yoga. I didn't know what else really there was. I just, I had a one-dimensional view of what Bikram was. And I know I just felt super dehydrated the next day and I couldn't recover. But I really jacked up my body, which I was referencing before about the hips and the back and the psoas in early 2013. And so once all that happened, I didn't go near yoga because I was like, I was in such a world of hurt. I was like, literally put me in a wheelbarrow and take me to the physical therapist and the doctor. And I struggled walking and sitting. I remember lying on my back reading contracts at Disney because I was in such pain, upside down reading contracts. And so I don't think I could go into a yoga class at that point and have anything good that came out of it. So it wasn't until probably 2015, 2016 that I realized I can't be doing physical therapy and massage therapy and acupuncture forever. I got to figure this out. When did it sort of click for you that you were starting to get results? I think it was out in Denver in 2017. I started working with a a Iyengar instructor out there. And for those of folks who don't know what Iyengar yoga is, Iyengar was a man who developed a style of yoga using props, bolsters, blocks, ropes, chairs. And Iyengar yoga is a great approach to yoga if you have chronic injuries or acute injuries that are no longer in, call it massively inflamed, but it's there to support challenges with alignment. And it's a great way to build your confidence again and knowing your body, you know, a place to explore in before you go into a flow vinyasa class. So that was 2017. And I realized, you know what, I've got this consulting lifestyle in working in the cannabis industry. I had some time and flexibility. And I said, you know what, I'm going to get certified in yoga. I'm on the East Coast this fall and I found this yoga studio in Union Square, New York, founded and led by a woman named Allison West. And her studio was all about focusing on yoga for back care, scoliosis, fusions, bulging discs, spondylolisthesis, sciatica, stuff like that. And so I knew that that was a studio to go explore. So I said, I'm going to take Allison West's 200-hour teacher training program at that back care studio And I'm going to start figuring out how to use yoga to help myself because I I would go into like a core power yoga class in Boulder or Denver and there'd be some young instructor who's probably 25 and I'm like, I've got a spondylolisthesis at L5S1, I've got a hip thing and like, you know, like they have no idea. Like I can't assume that they know how to take care of me. So I had to figure out a way to take care of me and do that using yoga. 
and slowly unwind this tangled fishing line that was my body. And so you sort of like just put the fishing rod down, enjoy being in the canoe and just take your time with it. And that's kind of the approach I had when I went into Allison's yoga teacher training program. I was like, I'm just going to slowly start trying to figure out how to use yoga to help myself without making this worse. You mentioned Bikram and Iyengar and a couple of different styles of yoga. What advice do you have for people who may be starting out or maybe don't understand all the different styles? It can get confusing, right? Try as many as you can or try them until you find one you like. Or how, do, how would you advise people to sort of sort out the different philosophies? Yeah, if you're somebody who has some injuries or you've, you're a bit anxious about injuring your body more, I would go find a really good Iyengar yoga instructor. And you could probably Google or use Yelp and find somebody who's in the metro area. They're probably not out in the suburbs and they're probably not out in rural markets. But Iyengar yoga is a great place to explore if you've got injuries and you just don't want to hurt yourself, right? Or you can go to your typical yoga studio. You can ask them if they've got a slow flow, sort of vinyasa style yoga class or a class that's focused on alignment. And I think the biggest thing with beginners in classes is in, in studios is like, you just got to find the right teacher in class and style that works for you. And it's never going to be perfect. I mean, even now when I go to somebody else's yoga class, there's always something about it that doesn't quite work great for my body. Or they do something that I love and they're going to move on to something else that I would rather not move on to because I would rather do another round of this sort of forward fold to my right side, another round there in my left side before we go to the next thing. So for those who are listening, I think if you don't have injuries, go find a yoga studio and ask for a slow flow vinyasa style class or some kind of alignment based class. I have not tried Iyengar, so you're inspiring me to go check it out. I've mainly done vinyasa and a little bit of Bikram. Where are you now? Where do we find you today on your journey to well-being? Yeah, listen, I've just come a long way. I know that in my heart because I've learned a lot about how to work through the tension in your body in a way that allows your body to open up. And I think the crazy thing about yoga, and by the way, you don't have to have the same problems that I had to enjoy the benefits of yoga, right? As my teacher, Allison West said, you know, you don't have to have the problem to enjoy the solution. But I do think that everyone, and this is what I have felt, is that the more you do yoga, the more you know your body. The more you know your body, the more you know what you need to do when you're in a yoga class or doing yoga or really doing any type of movement. And that could be hitting a tennis ball, that could be swimming in the ocean. You just have a sense for what you need to be doing. And, and so you develop this sense of not just proprioception, but interoception. And so for me, that has helped me open up parts of my body, my hip, my lower back, where the more you do yoga, the more blood flow comes into these places and it allows your nervous system to really connect into those former dead zones that were so tense and tight that you couldn't tap into. And now you've got a suppleness in there and you can actually work on those muscles and you can work on those fibers and you can work on creating a sense of awareness and tone. So I still have issues with my right hip. It's still a lot weaker than my left hip. I'm still a little lopsided. But now I would say, the flywheel effect of getting stronger and getting better your body 
is, is much more than it was two or three years ago when I was still working through using blocks and things to just support myself in poses. So I do a little vinyasa yoga flow classes. I'll do sort of a stationary class at a good friend's studio in, in Delaware. I do a lot of stuff at home on my own, which is more about just working on stuff. Sometimes it's a prep for hockey. Sometimes it's a prep before I go to the gym to meet a trainer. So I find that I do a little bit of yoga almost every day, but I highly recommend and I still depend on going to studios and being in a class and working with another teacher because every teacher's got something new to show me and anyone who goes. So I'm in a pretty amazing spot. I feel very happy where I am and very grateful for what I've learned. In the Art Masolo episode, you talked about teacher training, and that was the real trigger for me to realize that even for just a practitioner of yoga who maybe doesn't have a goal to become a, a real teacher, the teacher training could be useful, especially to learn about more of the philosophy of yoga and history and just to have that experience. So it inspired me. I, I plan on enrolling in a teacher training after hearing that episode. I wondered if you have anything more to say about that. When you enrolled in teacher training, what were your goals? Yeah, when I enrolled in teacher training and I did my 200 hour with Allison West in 2017 and into 2018, I did my 300 hour with a guy named Jason Crandall in 2020 during COVID. And the, I would say this, my first reason to go to Allison's class was to, just to get some develop some sense of agency and under what's going on and figure out how to work through my body and injuries by using what I was learning about yoga, right? How to do it safely and, and what does what. Jason's 300 hour class was more about learning about sequencing and teaching classes. But I think in general, and a lot of people do take yoga teacher training, the 200 hour, just for self-enrichment. And I highly recommend it. And I think what you're going to come out of it is a greater appreciation for the basic poses, how to modify the basic poses for yourself and for others. You're going to learn a little bit about the philosophy of yoga, or at least from Patanjali's point of view when he compiled the Yoga Sutras about 380. You're also going to learn a bit about anatomy, and every person out there should have a better understanding of anatomy, you know, which muscles are which and which do what and which work together. And so, I, I highly recommend it. I think it's a great place to invest your time. It's also a commitment. And I think for me, it really was trying to get a handle on my injuries. But as I've taken more yoga classes and more studies, it's really about learning more about what yoga can do and what is yoga, just continually learning about what is yoga. I think one thing you said that really resonates with me is it's those of us who use our body that know our bodies best, right? And I think athletes in particular understand that. And yoga is part of that, right? Yoga is a full body experience. And in a way, it's a way to know your body, right? And to check in with all parts of your body head to toe. And especially as we get older, it's important to use your body. To me, that's part of what yoga is, is using your body to know yourself better, right? And I would say using your body in different ways that your normal movement patterns from nine to five or whatever it is, we do a lot of sitting. We do a lot of bending over. We do a lot of looking at our phones. So I think doing some of these asanas and postures in yoga keeps you moving, but also allows your joints to have different ranges and different levels of tension. And if you don't use it, you'll lose it. 
There's a fascinating thing I came across a while back. It was about cells need a certain amount of stress or they'll die. The cells also can't have too much stress or they'll die. And that could be a metaphor for life. You need a little bit of stress in your life, but not too much stress. Yoga is a great place to put a little stress on your body every day in a safe way. And, you know, maybe that yoga is not the, the highlight of your physical fitness of the day, but maybe it's a prep before you go out for that long bike ride or hike and a prep to understand and know how you feel and know what's going on. Because I feel like guys our age, you know, we got a few injuries. You know, there's a little asymmetry in there. Sometimes it's good to kind of know what's going on and just kind of prime the nervous system before you do bigger movements. But I totally agree with you. You got to keep moving. It's good for the soul. It's good for the mind. It's good for the body. And, you know, at best, we got about a hundred year lease on this thing. So we better take care of it. So I think something that everybody would love to hear who listens to this podcast is it's great to hear how yoga has been such a big part of your life, how you've found so much value in it. You're inspired to tell your story, talk to others about their story and spread the gospel, if you will, of yoga. Uh, so much so that you decided to spend a good deal of your time starting this podcast. Can you tell us why you started this GTY podcast and what makes it different in your mind? That's a great question, Corby. I remember in 2019, I had gone into New York to hear a well-known yoga teacher who had just published a book talk about this book that he was publishing on yoga. It's a, it's a fantastic book. It's Eddie Stern's One Simple Thing. For people into yoga, Eddie Stern is a well-known name. And I absolutely love his book. I think his book, One Simple Thing, is one of the three books I'd recommend folks to, to purchase. Can we put it in the show notes? Yeah, we totally can. Yeah, absolutely. So Eddie Stern, who I was going in New York expecting to sit in a massive theater hearing him talk about his book. And when I went in and found the location of the talk, it was like on the second floor of this funky little like Eastern arts bookstore. So you kind of, it's the kind of bookstore you'd probably find on Pearl Street in Boulder. Anyhow, second floor, there were probably like maybe 40 seats. And Eddie Stern was up there talking about his book. And I would expect it to be wall-to-wall people in there just because of how much I thought of Eddie Stern and how well his name is known in the yoga industry, right? And so when I say there are probably only 40 people there, I don't, it's not a knock on Eddie Stern. I think it's more about how still niche yoga is. And he was telling his story about how he grew up in, in New York in the 80s and he was in the punks and he were hung out at record stores and he was like your quirky kind of artsy guy, probably not a jock. And in fact, he sort of said that in so many words. And he said he, in high school, he had an aversion to the preppy football and lacrosse players who listened to the Grateful Dead. And I was sitting there thinking like, I'm a deadhead lacrosse player. You know, I guess I was the person that he thought was a dickhead back in high school. So what I recognized were two things. One, that the yoga is still very small. It's still very a niche kind of industry. You know, a lot of people do yoga here and there, but like as an industry, as a place of being and all the things that I appreciate it is, it still feels very small, right? So that's number one. The second thing was, I was the only deadhead lacrosse player sitting in this room. In fact, I was the only guy who felt like 
looked like me in the room. You know, I, there was nobody who looked like they grew up in Connecticut and played lacrosse in high school and in college. And that was merely an observation. And so I thought, where are all the guys like me? Why aren't they into this stuff? Why aren't they doing this stuff? And so I was thinking about ways, of how do you get guys to consider yoga? How do you get them into yoga? And the thought struck me that, you know, guys don't do well when you tell them they have to do something. And if something's not sort of thought as being masculine or cool, most guys are not going to even consider it. But they will consider it when they see other guys who they admire or look up to when they start doing something that didn't seem as cool. And you think about... uh I mean, I remember when the bro hug wasn't much of a thing years ago, and then all of a sudden everyone's doing the bro hug. Like the, the handshake, it literally disappears. You know, there's always somebody who has the balls and the guts to like do something. And then a couple of guys go, oh, he does that? He, he drives an electric car? That's, that's kind of cool. So they start to slowly get into it. Like, sure, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, a lot of tough guys do. And so people want to be tough guys. So they also check out Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which, which looks awesome. But anyhow, so I had this feeling of how do you foster the awareness for yoga with men? And doing a podcast was not something that I thought that I really wanted to do. I did not have a desire to hear the sound of my own voice. I did not necessarily want to put myself out there in that way. But I was like, you know, who else is doing this? You know, who else is trying to make an effort of sharing the stories of other guys to get them to pay attention? And that's what this is all about. It's short form you know, for the most part, 30, 40 minute conversations with guys, asking them to tell their story for how and where and when in their life they got into yoga, who helped them get to it, how it's helped them in their life, mentally, physically, spiritually, vocationally, and what is the advice they would give other men. And I, by the way, the podcast, we have had a woman before, we had an awesome woman named Chelsea Duke who came in early in the show and interviewed her about how she works with athletes at the University of Oregon. But really the show is about sharing guys' stories. So other guys say, you know what, I have back pain or my career has hit the skids or I'm finding stress or whatever. Whatever it is, I want to share those pain points and those opportunities and those successes so other guys consider yoga. How has it gone? And has it exceeded your expectations? Tell us about what you've learned. This has become a real passion project. It's a lot of time and effort in getting this thing off the ground. I think in the beginning, it was really about just getting out there and doing it and being like, is this even worth doing? Like, is this, is this ridiculous or what? So I think getting it started was the hardest part. There's been times where I have kind of peaks and valleys, just like in life, you know, things are kind of going hot and then things are kind of slowing down. And there's moments where I was like, so why am I doing this? Like, why am I doing this? And I keep thinking it's really to try to help get other guys to consider this practice. And so I think when you focus on the reason why you're doing something, on uh, the, the benefit being more on, the other, on other people than yourself, I think it gets you going. And so what I've enjoyed most about this podcast is talking to other guys about their yoga practice. I mean, I will admit it's nice to get a few likes or comments on Instagram and it's nice to see followers grow, but I've had some awesome stories with guys who have served our country, folks who've been teachers in high schools, guys who are lawyers, doctors, cops. I mean, I've talked to all a bunch of guys and I, I really appreciate, number one, these guys sharing their stories 
for the same reason. They want to help other guys and help them to consider yoga. But anyhow, it's, it's really great to meet guys who are in your tribe and mindset who just appreciate what yoga can do. And quite frankly, yoga is a very subjective thing. I couldn't define it for you or anyone else listening per se. You got to go and do it on your own. But I think what I've realized is that yoga is a great doorway into creating a lot of great habits on top of a yoga practice. And over time, I think everyone's going to be in a much better place. If someone's new to the pod and this is their first episode, do you have an historical episode that you would recommend as a starter that you particularly thought went well? I got to tell you, there's been a, a number of great conversations. I guess one of the things I would ask is, you know, what are they looking for? What are they curious about? But I've, I would say my conversation with Johnny Gillespie a year ago, Johnny was really great about connecting me with a whole bunch of other guys because Johnny right out of the gates knew what I was trying to do. And he connected me with a bucket of guys that I've interviewed. The other thing is I did a series with Warriors at Ease bunch of former military veterans who've gone and got certified through this yoga training program called Warriors at Ease. And I think there's just some great stories in there as well. I think there's a couple of guys who've shared stories about their challenges with alcohol, and they're quite open and honest with that, about how yoga can complement the 12 steps and being in recovery. And there's been a couple of guys who shared their stories as well. Art Masolo, a recent one. I mean, you, you introduced me to Art many years ago. Art just has a huge heart, and I was really impressed by his vulnerability and how open he was about his own challenges with depression. And his story is a great one. So I think it's hard to say what ones are the ones to go check out, because I think they're all good in their own way. Some will probably resonate with others more, but I appreciate everyone's offering on this podcast. And I would say everyone should start from the beginning and listen to them all. One thing that I wanted to mention is that you've talked a lot about not being intimidated by yoga and some guys thinking, oh boy, that's too hard or that's too intimidating for me. Or they go into a class and everyone appears to be kind of expert. And, and you've had this message of, it's not about them, it's about you, right? So can you talk a little bit more about the intimidation factor and what your advice is to people who might be feeling that yoga is not for them because of that reason? Yeah, I think it's very common, rather, for anyone who's starting yoga for the first time, man or woman. And I think the biggest challenge is that it's not that people can't do what they would like to do. I don't think they know how to feel in their body how to do it. And so they think that just forcing themselves up into a position or just kind of, you know, jumping into something or putting all their muscle into it is really not the way to go. I mean, I know you're a fantastic skier. I know you've got great technique. I mean, the good skier is just kind of, it's less effort on the legs when you're using great technique, especially over moguls and stuff. And I think yoga is like that. Like, don't fight the moguls by having to do all these heavy turns. Learn how to ride those moguls and shapes and be able to use your edges. So with yoga, I think it's a matter of finding your edge and playing with your edge. And if somebody's doing a pose and they're new into yoga, and they feel like they have no idea where their edge is, that's okay because you're going to find it eventually. It's kind of like waking up in a dark room where you, you don't know where you are. You're going to find the light switch eventually and you realize it. And I think, sure, handstands and headstand and all those great hero peacock poses, 
they look great, but really the opportunity is really playing in a simple warrior one or warrior two, or even a down dog. And just like paying attention to what you feel. And if you're breathing too hard in any pose, you're not at the edge. You need to back off because you want to be able to breathe easy and just find the edge where your muscles start to shake, but you're still breathing easy. And then you just back off. And over time, if you continue to, to play that edge and pay attention, whatever the pose is, ultimately you might find yourself in a place where you're able to do a more complicated pose because you've gotten so good at paying attention to your body. You know when to shift the weight in your hands and when to shift in your hips. And you just learn to find that edge and play it. So yeah, don't be intimidated. Everyone has to start somewhere and enjoy the process. Focus more on the process and less on the results. You know, this is where I'm going to shout out to my yoga mentor, Nicole Perkins, Devi Yoga, D-E-V-I Yoga. She's always instructing about the importance of breath. And there's certain days if you're not feeling it or if a certain pose you're not feeling, just breathe. I mean, you, you could literally do an hour and a half class and just breathe and you are doing yoga. Totally. It, which is amazing. And if there's any message that I could give to people who are intimidated, you know, it's, can you breathe? Because <laughs> that's all you need to start. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, yoga will teach you to breathe a lot better and use breath to tap in to parts of your mind and body that you maybe never have gotten to before. And that I always think about that. And she reminds us of that every class. You know, just breathing is doing yoga. Of course, it's great to work in poses too. But if you just did that, that really sets you up for your day. I love that. John Kabat-Zinn's got this line. He goes, as long as you're breathing, there's more right with you than wrong with you. <laughs> He's like, if you're not breathing, we can't do much for you. <laughs> so I love that. And I think that's what makes the portability of yoga so great and the adaptability, which is you're sitting in heavy traffic and you're late or you're just stressed. Mm -hmm. You go find that ujjayi breath or whatever, whatever breath work you're familiar with or want to do. And so you drop into that mindset. You're not lying on your back in Shavasana out in the mountains. You're just on I-95 breathing hard. It's like road warrior on both sides. You just got to find that breath. And any time in life where you feel like whether you're sitting on tarmac and you're ready to plane because you just have flew five hours across the country or you're standing in the checkout line, I agree. Finding that breath, that is the yoga practice. That's awesome. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap. And thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for creating this program. Yeah, you know, like I said, I'm a huge fan. I have lots of friends and family who are huge fans. And speaking on behalf of all your listeners, we all appreciate what you're doing. It, you're helping a lot of people know that. I, for one, am a big believer that it's going to grow. So we really appreciate it. Yeah, Corb, listen, thank you for, for doing this. I appreciate the support you've had along the way in my own journey. I know you have your own practice and your own spiritual path, which is awesome. Just thank you again for wanting to help me share my story. It was my pleasure and my honor to be a little part of it there. I appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Love you. Thank you, cuz. Love you too. Namaste. 
So one of the things I've come to appreciate most about my experience with yoga is how much you can learn from exploring this practice. Now, I won't lay it out here for you now, but I'll share this. There's a lot more beyond the impression of what you may consider yoga to be, and you won't truly know until you start exploring. And lastly, I never imagined it would take me this long to get where I am, but I am grateful for how my challenges over the past decade has introduced me to so many great people and taught me so many things, and most importantly, how it's brought me back to yoga and the idea for this podcast. Consider subscribing to this podcast and check us out on Instagram at GTY Podcast.